Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Great injured Glenn Mack now. We're talking to our friend Dave Breitmeyer, WIP producer uh, extraordinaire. I am, as you know, Ray, fully invested in watching from the beginning a show I never watched, which is um, Game of Thrones. Yes, you and David are able to discuss this, which you never used to be able to do. Well, before. I'm discussing it with like a guy, you know, he could teach the graduate uh, Ivy League course on the thing, right? He's okay. seen it, he's read it, he's seen it multiple times, he understands it. I'm muddling my way through season two, but enjoying it immensely. Well, you're speaking the language. I'll grant you that. <laughs> well, a little bit. He already he chastised me for not pronouncing a name correctly. It's not Aria. It's Aria. It's like, <laughs> what? What did, what, did I, what did I say wrong there? But anyway, it's a great show. I will say that. 15, oh, I'm 15 episodes in. So you're, you're, you're really into it now. It's great. Yeah, it's it's it's. It's complex and confusing and dense and beautiful and amazing, brutally violent, disgusting with naked bodies all over. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the downside. No, it's, it's great. It's it's a great show. <laughs> anyway, it is time, Ray, for you and I to check in, as we always do, with our doctor from Cooper Bone and Joint. This week, Dr. David Gelt joins us. How are you, Doc? Pretty good. How are you guys doing today? We trust you enjoyed Eagles opening uh, preseason game. You're riveted to your TV like most of us? Uh, for the first few minutes. There you go. <laughs> well, you're an honest man. Uh, Doc, one guy who did not play in that game was the backup quarterback they signed this offseason to his $7 million guarantee. That would be Nick Foles. Sure. He's got an elbow. And I, I wish I could I could give you more details um, so that you could reflect on it more, but essentially they said I think two weeks ago he'll be back in a week and he's still not throwing. Yeah, uh, well, yeah it could be a it could be a sign. You know, they said that I think there's some information. You know, with any thrower, whether it be a pitcher uh, or a quarterback, obviously when you have elbow issues, you know, sometimes it puts up a a little red flag, you know, especially if he's not coming back uh, fairly quickly. But um, hopefully they're just taking it slow on uh, his. And hopefully, it should be okay. Yeah, they're um, they've been very nonspecific about it, and, and and even and even Nick, when he's been asked about it, has been very uh, has been very circumspect. No, no one's telling you exactly what it is. Um, but as of like ten days ago, they were saying, "Oh no, he'll be back next week. No big deals. Nothing to worry about." But he's still he's still not throwing. And I, I mean, you don't you don't want to overreact, and you don't want to reach for the panic button and he is your backup quarterback so it's not like you're counting on him to start the season but this is starting to this is starting to smell a little bit to me doc i mean the fact that he's you know that that no one's saying anything about it and it's been this long since he's actually picked up a ball and thrown it to me it sounds even for this time of the year it sounds a little bit scary yeah i i agree right i think it could be something that we uh have to be concerned about um i don't know if he started doing just some rehab and they're still sore and that's why they're not letting him throw at all or or they just let him sit just because it's, you know, the very beginning of the preseason. So I'm not sure what they're, they're doing, but they are definitely keeping on the hush-hush. Is it an injury or are tired arm injuries? We see it with pitchers a lot. Is it common to a, a quarterbacks that you've seen that you've worked with? 
Uh, I mean, you can definitely have some arm injuries, especially from overuse. Uh, you know, being the fact that it's preseason and I haven't really gotten into it yet, uh, you know, I don't know if he did something uh, prior and that he was always sore, even if he was had injury, you know, last year and just never recovered. Um, you know, with any thrower, you have to be careful just because of the overuse issue, and you have to make sure your mechanics are okay, you know, just because you can have issues with the elbow versus the shoulder. So it is uh, something we just have to look out for. One one last question for me, and this you know this speaks to my naivete in terms of sports medicine. So maybe you can set me straight on this, but. I mean, there's so many common arm injuries for overuse and arm injuries in baseball for pitchers. You don't see, I mean, you don't see that with football quarterbacks suffering the same kinds of things. They don't seem, they don't seem subject to the same kind of uh, just the kinds of things you associate with pitcher injuries like elbow injuries or torn flexors or, you know, torn rotator cuffs or that kind of thing, unless it's contact. They don't seem to get it from where. Why, why would it be so different from one sport to the other? Uh, well, it's really with mechanics. You know, with baseball, you have all different types of throws. You have curveballs and sliders, which puts a lot of stress on the elbow. And with, with you know, quarterbacks are really just throwing one type of ball overhead, so they're not putting as much stress on the elbow. Um, it's a little more different motion, too, just because you're throwing a football, which is harder to, you know, to throw. It's just a bigger ball, so the, the motion's a little different. Um, so from that standpoint, you sometimes see less issue on the elbow um, and sometimes more on the shoulder um, just because of the, the mechanism and the, and the way to throw it. Doc, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, we love when we have uh, just small injuries to discuss with you as opposed to major ones. Vitae goes down the other day. I'm thinking uh, we're going to be talking to Dr. Gelt. But, yeah, yeah. But he's okay. But I, I'm looking forward to Ray. I'm actually going to your show on Wednesday. So uh, hopefully I'm looking forward to it. It should be a good one. Good. There you go. Uh, Doctor, I really appreciate that. I'll, I'll definitely uh, definitely come by and say hello. All right. Sounds good. All right. All right thank, thank you, you very doctor. much. All right. Uh, we should discuss the, with the doctor the uh, injury that you almost had to deal with. Oh, are you allowed to discuss that yet? Or are you want to wait a week? No, I guess now that Tom's back uh, healthy and all. Uh, yeah, the guy who plays uh, uh, the older Tommy in our play, Tom Tom Teddy, um, really the largest role of the play. Yeah, I mean he's the guy that kind of has to carry the mail in this one, and uh, and he came to the last week of rehearsal on crutches that he had just uh, he, he was walking down a flight of stairs and his knee just buckled under him, and uh, he went to the doctor and they had to drain some blood out of it, and he did the last week of rehearsal sitting in a chair, uh, and we weren't at all sure that he was going to be okay for opening night. In fact, we had to get his understudy, you know, ready to go. But you know, Tom said I'll be fine. You know, whatever I have to do. To get out there, I'll do it. So in the true spirit of Tommy McDonald, <laughs> Tom is playing through the pain, and, uh, and he's doing great. I mean, he's, 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 been, he's been really good every night, and we've had a great run. We've got, I think, seven performances down. Uh, we got ten more to go. We have two today, three o'clock today and seven o'clock tonight, and it's been great, Glenn. It's been, it's been terrific. Full house every night, standing ovations every night. Um, it's it's been a wonderful experience, and the audience is uh, very enthusiastic. I'm just I'm just blown away by the way the audiences have have embraced this story and continue to embrace it. I think that's great. I'm I'm delighted for you. That would have put a little bit of that would have hampered the uh, the Canton speech where Tommy McDonald dances around a little bit, huh? We were very worried about that because there's a lot of <laughs> that's demands. Like the big, it leads up to all. That. Yeah, I mean that's sort of the payoff of the whole play, and you really. You know, you really needed Tom to be able to do that, and I wasn't at all sure he could. But last night, I mean, last night he was, he felt so good, and he was so energized by the audience, which was a really good audience last night, that the scene where he finally does get voted into the Hall of Fame, he's supposed to run on the stage and holler into a cell phone, 
And last night he actually ran onto the stage and jumped onto the couch to deliver his line. I mean, he was that uh, he was that excited. So yeah, I think he's back to I think he's back to one hundred percent. Yeah, great, good. I'm looking for. I'm going a week from tomorrow, yep. Sunday. Oh, looking forward to it. Once again, you're gonna you're gonna do the Q and A after the I'm final. Gonna, performance. We're gonna close the damn thing. You I'm not sure that <laughs> you will close the show. I don't know why that's my role. Uh, let's go to Hank. You're on ninety four WIP. Hello, Hank. Hey, gentlemen, the, the the great Glenn and the Honorable Ray, man. Oh, uh, pleasure. Thank you. It's such an honor. So, um, real, real quick, a uh, few points. Um, with Zeke Elliott, um, I'm actually surprised that he's only getting six games. I mean, that's a lot of people, a lot of my, my close friends around here, they tell me, uh, well, if he played on the Eagles, you wouldn't think the same. But the NFL, they're actually starting to weigh heavily on this domestic violence thing because it's actually becoming real, real uh, very, very um, common, uh, sorry to say. So, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if domestic violence is more common than it used to. I think it's more discussed than it used to, which is which is good. It's it's yeah. not hidden away by the victims as it used to be. Um, yeah. And and like I said, I'm 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 very surprised that there's only six games. Um, you know, uh, but you know, Dallas has a knack for attracting that type of behavior. Um, but any anyhow, um, back back to the Eagles uh, with this uh, Ronald Darby. Um, assuming that he plays. Uh, very, very good. Um, it looks very promising for our for our, our secondary. I mean, with McLeod and and, um, and Jenkins, and then the day that Sidney Jones does come back, let's assume that this guy plays really good. Having those two opposite each other with with good speed and good ball tracking, I mean, I, it, it, it can actually look really good uh, moving forward. Could be, um, could be. I but, mean, if, if that's assuming Sidney Jones comes back a hundred percent. After right. the after the Achilles injury, yeah, if he comes back and he's as good a player as he was before, yeah, I mean he could be a really good player. Oh yeah. Now now now, Ray, my question is for you. Um, now this is all hypothetical and just just a little talk. Um, but looking towards the draft, all right. So let's assume you know, like I said, let's assume Darby plays really good. Um, we just traded away our third, and we don't have a second. So with only a first round draft pick. And uh, a couple of fourths and, and whatever else left. What position do we attack at that point with a first round draft pick? Are we going to like should should we go more towards like a running back or should we like trade out of the first? Like, what do you think? And gentlemen, I'll continue listening. Thank you so much. Uh, okay, looking ahead to next year's draft, <laughs> pretty hard to do right now because you don't know what what the injury situation is going to be. Um. You know, Sproles, Sproles has indicated this is going to be his last year. But I think they drafted Pumphrey to take over that role. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're you're in pretty good shape on the defensive line. Uh, you got some youth there. I, I I would not be adverse to looking for a linebacker. I mean, to me, to me, you're a little light at linebacker right now. Yeah, you've got two guys. You got Hicks, who's who's a real good player. You got Bradham, who I think is a little underrated and played well last year. You know, Kendrick's made a play the other night, but, I mean, I don't know what his long-term future is here. Um, if you could get a really good outside linebacker or a really good inside linebacker and bump picks to the outside, that might be that might be where I'm looking right now. And offensive line, you know, it's possible. But I, 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 I might look – if you're asking me where I would look first, and I do believe there is going to be a pretty good linebacker crop coming out next year. That might be if, – if I could get a linebacker that I thought could come in and be an impact kind of player, that might be where I'd be looking first. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Right now they're right – I mean, it's a long way off. 
And it's, a, it's a long way off. You, you know who's going to get injured. Injuries healthy. are going to dictate so much of that. But um, that's, that is that is an area of, of, of some concern. And I, and I know Schwartz didn't play three linebackers much last year. I mean, he went with nickel a lot. So yeah. line, the, uh, that third linebacker came off the field. But if you look at around the league and how many linebackers are big difference-making players on teams, and if the Eagles could add one of those kinds of guys, I mean, that that's definitely makes you stronger on that side of the ball. I want to see this be Hicks' big year. That, that that would be the answer to that. This is the year that Hicks should, I, I hate to say breakout, because he's already played really well. He's but, played really well. But take that next step and be the guy who continues to force fumbles, occasionally sack the quarterback, get interceptions, be that playmaker. Yeah. By picks, the way, five picks last year. Not I know. Many linebackers did. had that. I know, and I love that. Uh, we When we were talking about the last Eagles cornerback to make the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I said Lito. Was there yeah, one since yeah, then? Yeah, Peter Mucha reminded me. Uh-huh. Uh, three times, Asante Samuel. Oh, Asante. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I was never that big a fan myself, but he was a very good player. Yeah, he only he was a very good player. Didn't, you know, didn't like what, to tackle much. Wasn't wasn't much in the physical part of the no. game. But uh, that that was one of the points that Sal was pointing out about Darby um is and don't misconstrue this. He's not he is not a big hitting corner. I mean, he is not ever going to be confused with Sheldon Brown. But uh he's 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 willing yeah, give it an effort. He's willing to stick his nose Fine. in there. He, you're, you're 5'10", 185 pounds. I understand that you're not going to hit like Brian Dawkins, right. perhaps. But give it an effort. Don't shy away. If Asani he, Sam used to run away from, from the tackle. And so did Namdi. And so, and, so did, and so did Namdi. Namdi was running to his car for lunch. But, some, but, but there, the corner, you do have to come up and be willing to force the play. And even if you don't make the tackle, be willing to come up and force the play. And Darby will do that. Okay. 888-729-9494. Ray Dinger, Glenn Macnow, 94WIP. Hey, let me tell you about a new experience. I had at Turnersville Auto Mall last week. I have never been to a place with thousands of vehicles in one spot. I took a tour of the Auto Mall with my new friend Peter. He even took us for a drive on their test track behind the Auto Mall. Oh, what a fun ride that was. The Turnersville Auto Mall turns the hassle of buying a vehicle into an experience you will enjoy. See what I'm talking about by experiencing the Turnersville Auto Mall difference for yourself. So when it comes to competition, the winner is clear. Turnersville Auto Mall. Nine brands in two convenient locations. Savings, selection, service, all there at Turnersville Auto Mall. Convenient from everywhere in the Delaware Valley. Hundreds of Acura, Audi, BMW, Cadillac, Chevrolet, Honda, Hyundai, Nissan, and Toyota vehicles. Pick an easy winner with South Jersey's largest new and pre-owned inventory, Turnersville Auto Mall, Route 42 in Turnersville, turnersvilleautomall.com. Sports Radio 94, WIP 2020 Sports. Brought to you by ShopRite of Williamstown. I'm Sue Schilling. The Eagles held practice this morning at the NovaCare Complex. Head coach Doug Peterson spoke and was asked what the team is getting in newly acquired cornerback Ronald Darby. Uh, we're getting a tremendous athlete. Uh, you know, obviously uh, a two-year starter. Um, uh, you know, what I've seen on tape, obviously I didn't study him when he came out of college, but uh, what, I, what I've seen so far and what I'm hearing is uh, a good not only a good teammate, but a good person, um, and uh, someone that's going to you know get in and get in the mix and get with a, a group of guys that uh, know our system. Darby coming over from the Bills yesterday in exchange for wide receiver Jordan Matthews, and the new corner spoke as well after practice and was asked about his reaction to the trade. Yeah, I was pretty surprised. You know, came fast, but I at the end of the day, I felt blessed. 
Bills and Mets go at it again tonight at Citizens Bank Park. First pitch at 7.05. Mark your calendars and bring the kids to meet the Philly Fanatic at ShopRite of Williamstown this coming Thursday, August 17th at 11.30 in the morning. CBS 3 Eyewitness Weather. Spotty showers, isolated thunder, very muggy this afternoon. High 81 at 73 in Philadelphia. Get the story 20 minutes before and after every hour for breaking news and scores. Go to CBSPhillySports.com. Follow Sports Radio WIP on Twitter. 2020 Sports on Sports Radio 94 WIP. So, Ray, neither you or I uh, got to the movies or so much on TV in the last week. I was on vacation with my family. Had a great day. You know what I did last week? I went to a... Uh, I was in Cape Cod, right? You know, my wife is from up that way. And so mm-hmm. we go there every summer, uh, big family reunions. I went to some Cape Cod baseball, oh, okay. summer league baseball. So those great college players. I have looked back because um, I keep box scores whenever I go and I save them. And I did that this year. And I've looked back at the ones I've gone to and seen that like, wow, I saw Chase Utley play here. I saw Pedroia play here. I saw Will Clark play here. It's like all these guys who go on to become major leaguers you see them when they're 20-year-old college kids. Right. And you don't know it at the time. I mean, the game I saw, Utley, he was one for four with a double, right? I don't exactly remember it, but it is, it's, it's fun, and it's, good, it's really good baseball, trying to use wooden bats. Uh, but I didn't get to the movies. I didn't see any TV. You didn't either, so we can't do our uh, weekly uh, what we're watching today. Um, but I, I did want to spend a minute on something that, I have no idea how you feel about this because I don't think we've ever discussed this particular person. Uh, Glenn Campbell died this week. Yes. After what seemed a really heroic struggle with Alzheimer's. um, He was very public about it. He was very public about it. You and I have discussed this issue. It's touched both of our families. Uh, People, the families who go through it with loved ones, uh, you know, I learned how tough it can be, and, and I know you did as well. Um, he did a concert tour. He did an album. I mean, it really was something special. I will tell you that I never respected, appreciated Glenn Campbell during his prime. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, he was something like for the squares, right? It was at a time when music was really changing. I was listening to Jimi Hendrix and the doors and, you know, Led Zeppelin. And there's Glenn Campbell, um, strumming a guitar on TV, doing stupid skits on his TV show. Right. What I learned later is there was so much more to him. Oh, yeah. He was one of the great session musicians of all time. Right, which I learned years later. Right. Um, The great Beach Boys album, Pet Sounds, which is a revolutionary album. He played on it. He's all over it. He's all over it. Uh, And when Brian Wilson wouldn't go on tour with the Beach Boys because he had a lot of mental issues, um, Glenn Campbell went and toured. Became a Beach Boy. Yeah. Yeah. People Uh, People don't know that. Right. And... Did a lot of really good work. And I went back. The day he died, I, I kind of fired up some of his old songs, right? Because you can get anything online now. And listened to Wichita Lineman and a couple of those others. Galveston. Galveston, I didn't realize, was an anti-war song. Yes, it was. Right. I didn't very know much, it at the very time. Much, very much so. I never listened to the lyrics. Oh, okay. I did now. I appreciate Glenn Campbell a lot more. Oh, okay. See, I was a fan. Yeah? I, d- I did like him. I did like him. See, I'm a little older than you. So yeah, was, but to me, he was like John Davidson. You know what I mean? It was like Andy Williams, just like not not my generation's mu- music. Oh, okay. No, I thought that he was, I thought he was a really significant artist in, in that he uh, he really kind of broke down the wall between country and pop. Yeah. I mean, he was, one, he was one of the first people that was, I mean, he was country, but 
he crossed over and became very mainstream. And uh, uh, what people don't know about him is what you alluded to, is that before he became a vocalist, he was one of the great session musicians and was part of what they called out in L.A., they called it the Wrecking Crew, which was a group of session musicians who used to just play for everybody. Like in all the albums that were being produced in L.A. at that time by all kinds of artists, you had this one crew that were like, it was like an all-star crew that they would bring in to play, and he was, and he was the, the main guitarist. Then he crossed over and began doing vocals, and then he became a star in his own right. But he was, he was one of the top, when everybody wanted a session and they wanted a top guitarist, he was the guy they called. Um, and I, I actually got to meet him. Um, oh, yeah? Mm-hmm, yeah, I got to meet him. Um, I went out to, this back when I was covering golf. Remember when I told you I used to cover golf back yeah, in the day? Johnny Miller days. Uh, you're thinking Tom oh, Watson. Tom Watson. I do that but, every but, time, the Tom Watson as, days. Be that as it may. I actually covered some golf, and I actually went out and covered uh, a golf tournament in San Diego. Uh, and uh, and it, was the, it was the Glen Campbell Open. Ah. And uh, he sponsored it for a number of years, and one of the years that I covered it, he was hanging around. And so I got to actually meet him and talk to him. He's a very, very, very nice fellow. Um, it was really funny reading stories about him um, when they cast him in the original True Grit. Yeah, when they John made, Wayne. When they made the movie, yeah, they made the movie True Grit uh, out of the Charles Portis novel. Um, they obviously it was a it was a vehicle for John Wayne. It was obviously a John Wayne movie, uh, and the producers wanted to cast Glenn Campbell in the role of the Texas Ranger Labeef, and John Wayne was not down with it at all. Because John Wayne said, this guy's not an actor. But they wanted, Glenn Campbell was at the very peak of his popularity then. Yeah, and he was pretty big. He was, I mean, he had that TV show. It's like Sonny and Cher had a show. Back then, they would do variety shows. Right, well, he was the summer replacement for the Smothers Brothers. That's right. The Smothers Brothers took a summer off, and they <laughs> put the Glenn Campbell Good Time Hour in as the summer replacement. And it was so popular, they brought it back as a full-time series in the fall. Um, but he was really popular then, and the producers wanted to put him in the movie because they thought it'd be good box office. And they also knew by putting him in the movie, it assured them that he would sing the title song ah, for the film. Uh-huh. So, so, but they, but they wrote his part down a little bit. I mean, Labeef in the, the original True Grit is not a big part, uh, so they, so they tailored the part to a guy who really wasn't an actor. When they redid True Grit a few years ago with Jeff Bridges and Matt Damon as Labeef, you saw that the Texas Ranger had more to do because they trusted him more as an actor. Um, but I, I actually liked him. I had his albums. I, did I you thought, really? Yeah, I did. I huh. played them. I, I really thought, I thought by the... You wouldn't seem the country music type Well, me. a lot of the stuff that he did, a lot of the Jimmy Webb stuff that he recorded was really good. I, th- I think by the time I get to Phoenix is, is a really good song. I, I, I really do. Mm-hmm. I appreciate him more now than I did for mm-hmm. the reasons I just said. Uh, that studio stuff. And, uh, you know, now, listen, again... Music, like everything, was a generation gap and a war back then. Mm-hmm. Everything was an argument. And so there was the music that was cool and the music that was not cool. And to me, he was the music that was not cool. Now I can go back and listen to a song like Galveston and say, yeah, you know, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It was. Without the, the specter of the politics of the day. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's it. Wanted to get that in there. And you met him. Yeah, I did. There's nothing I can bring up ever. That like it hasn't crossed your path. I'm I'm Zelig. It, it is. I'm, I'm like Zelig. <laughs> it is amazing yeah, pick, to find pictures of the assassination of the Archduke Ferdinand. You're in the back. I'm, I'm right in the back. 
<laughs> Neil, you're on 94 WIP. Hello, Neil. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for taking my call. Ray, you're a renaissance man. <laughs> yeah, not quite, Neil, but I appreciate the thought. Yeah. Uh, uh, Glenn, I just wondered, you know, because actually about the Phillies, I think, you know, due to injuries now, I'm actually, you know, other than maybe uh, maybe J.P. Crawford or King Gray, I'm pretty happy, you know, like that, you know, they finally called. They finally called up Hoskins. Even though he hasn't hit. And yeah, Williams, it's two but, games. And Williams looks good to me. Um, they got Al Faro up. I watched him early in the game, but he looked outmatched. But that's okay. I, I, I still want to see him play. Yeah, they're getting there. I hope Crawford gets called up before the end of the year. Um, you know, the issue is your shortstop's playing so well and Galvis that I don't know how that plays out, but I, I agree with you. They're, they've been calling the guys up. Uh, I want to ask Ray a couple questions. Ray, uh, with the uh, Elliott um, situation, do you think the NFL did the due diligence, you know, because I know they dropped the charges like a domestic violence case, and you think it has, like, the weight that it's still you know, the suspension will stand or won't be reduced. And also I wanted to ask about uh, the play calling with Peterson. Do you think it's more conducive with the pass and the run and get the offensive line back by getting the uh, pass game too? And- All right. Well, we and thanks, Neil. Um, I, we have to talk about this, and maybe we'll do it more tomorrow because we're getting near the end of the show. I want to get some callers in. I know it's the first preseason game, Ray. Mm-hmm. I know nothing means nothing. The pass-run ratio was ridiculously despicable, especially since you're playing your third-round quarterback. Like, I need to see Matt McGloin throw 55 times. What's the point of this? Well, maybe they want to learn about Bryce Treggs. <laughs> he looked good, right? I, I that that to me is a concern. I, I just, I'm not suggesting that they they're going to come out and and run the ball more than they throw it. I know that's never going to happen, nor do I think that's a desirable way to play in today's NFL, but you'd still need a balanced offense. And I really do think it would help the young quarterback if you took a little of that burden off him. And I think you have enough backs that you can do it. And I think you also have an offensive line that has a chance to be pretty decent if you let them do their job down in the trenches. Um, And so, again, I don't want to say necessarily that what we saw Thursday night reflects exactly how the play calling is going to go for the rest of the year. I mean, it was a preseason game. Let's evaluate it as such. But I do really think that Doug is an an Andy clone who wants to throw the ball more than he wants to run it. And I just think in today's NFL, I mean, one of the reasons reasons why the Atlanta Falcons were a much better team last year is they ran the ball a lot. Two guys. They ran the ball a lot with two backs and had tremendous success at it. And you go and you break down their their play last year, and you break down the play-action passes that Matt Ryan threw, what his quarterback rating was on a play-action pass, in other words, a pass that came off a play fake when a defense really had to respect the fact that he might actually hand off. And you see how Matt Ryan's efficiency jumped on those plays. It's a tremendous advantage for a quarterback if he can play his passing game off of an effective running game. Eagles could do that. You know, Carson Wentz could do that. It would make him a better it would make him a more efficient quarterback if he had that tool in his arsenal and the coaches were willing to go to it more and more. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I really want to see week to week and then building into the season is if is if Doug has more confidence and more commitment to the running game. I just think it would help the overall offense a lot. The Doug who goes for it on fourth down, I like that Doug. That, right. ball, that ballsy Doug, I like that Doug. Yeah, depending on what he calls. 
Well, yeah. I, uh, yes. Doing it and throwing some stupid little pass to Aguilar is not what I want. Well, but, how about an end around when you got fourth yeah. and six inches? Yeah, nuts. Right. You su- well, okay. So now you got me going. So you signed LeGarrette Blount as your short yardage guy, right? Yeah. Okay. Short yardage and red zone. Fine. You don't – correct me if you see this differently. You don't really have the opportunity in training camp to do that much because there's no hitting. And to me, there's a lot of plays you can run without hitting, and it's you get a close approximation of what it's going to be. Yeah, thud tempo. Fine. When you are trying to get a 250-pound back through the line at, from one yard line, and you need your offensive line to make a push, and this guy to get through, and a big defensive, you know, the defense is all going to crunch in. You can't simulate that in no contact practice. No, you can't. So you have the opportunity in the preseason to give it a, a try or two. That's what it's for. Do it. What do you do? What, why do you not use Legarrette Blount when you have that moment to do it? He's sitting there doing nothing. I thought you well, said you weren't going to get into this. I'm not. <laughs> but you, it drives me crazy that that Doug. Because that is it was that was the Andy that would drive you nuts, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, the too clever for him. And to be honest with you, it was also the chip that would drive you nuts. Oh, all the time, right? All the time. All right, I'm not getting into it. But no, I can think, I just say, yes, this guy, this coach, this Doug. If if you're not going to use Legarrette Blount there, why do you have him? Mm-hmm. That's well. Listen, when they made this, when they made the decision to sign him, and you and I both thought it was a good signing. Yeah. We we took it to mean, okay, well, if you're bringing this guy in, it's obviously with the intention of not 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 using him. You're bringing him in to use him. And if you're going to bring him in to use him, we're going to be using him in those situations to run between the tackles, pick up the short yardage. Signing him is an indication that you recognize that that's something you need to do. Well, go do it. I'm with you. Drives me nuts. Glad we didn't get into it. We'll get into it tomorrow. It's preseason. Let's just write it off to Well, that. that's what I'm thinking, right? It's preseason. That's why you pass 58 times and run four. Because it's going to be entirely different when the season begins because we know he doesn't want to overuse Wentz. How many passes did Wentz throw last year? 607. How many rookies have thrown more than that? Never. Yeah. Okay. By the way, Wentz drove um, Jordan Matthews to the airport. <laughs> I heard he drove Jordan Matthews to the airport. <laughs> and that's not like the metaphorical, like, hey, I drive that guy to the airport. He actually no, did it out of friendship. He, he literally drove him to the airport. Yeah. It's nice. It's a good guy. Uh, Ray Dinger, Glenn Mack. Now we'll get some calls before we get out of here at 1 o'clock. And I want to tell you about the great people I have come to know at Nordon Preferred Kitchen Equipment. What you may not know about me is I am very involved in the food and service industry. I'm part of a brewery. Now, if you're in any industry like that, you know how difficult running a commercial kitchen can be. The Nordon team is here to make your life a lot easier. Nordon's 85,000-square-foot warehouse is just the one-stop shop for anything your commercial kitchen might need, from high-speed ovens, walk-in refrigerators, everything in between. They've got it all. Nordon is partnered with every segment of the hospitality and service industry, from schools, hotels, casinos, bars, restaurants, And one of the things that I have come to really admire about Nordon is they treat their customers like family, so there is no job too large or too small. Their expert team will be there to help you every step of the way. To learn more, visit them at nordoninc.com. That's N-O-R-D-O-N-I-N-C.com to learn more. Sports Radio 94, WIP, 2020 Sports. I'm Sue Schilling. The Eagles held practice this morning at the Novacare Complex. After practice, head coach Doug Peterson spoke. 
and was asked about losing wide receiver Jordan Matthews in the trade for cornerback Ronald Darby. I think you're, you know, you're losing a great person. You know, I mean, he and I, good relationship, and, and uh, you know, this business is a, is a, is a, is a difficult one. You got to make some tough choices from time to time, and, and um, obviously, we do, we do what's best for, for, for the Philadelphia Eagles, and uh, we felt that this was a good opportunity for both sides. Darby coming over from the Bills and also spoke after practice today. Was asked what he brings. Uh, you know, everybody know me for my speed, but you know, I'm willing to come up and tackle, come up and tackle, and just play aggressive, really. Get to the ball, make plays. Preseason game number two is set for Thursday night against the Bills at Lincoln Financial Field at 7 o'clock, a game that can be heard right here on 94 WIP. The Phillies and Mets will go at it again tonight at Citizens Bank Park, first pitch 7.05. As for the pitching matchup, Aaron Nola for the Phillies, Stephen Matz for the Mets. You can hear the game right here on 94 WIP. Leading off with Rob Cherry begins at 6 o'clock. CBS 3 Eyewitness Weather, spotty showers, some isolated thunder moves through this afternoon. It's going to be very muggy. High 81 at 73 in Philadelphia. Get the story 20 minutes before and after every hour. For breaking news and scores, go to CBSPhillySports.com. Follow Sports Radio WIP on Twitter. 20 Sports on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Ray Danger, Glenn Mack, and we'll be back tomorrow, but let's let's try to get a couple of calls in here Steve, uh, I believe, had a big social night last night. Steve? How you doing, guys? Hey. Hello, Steve. I was lucky enough to be uh, at Tommy Me last night. Oh, great. I'm glad you came out. I really enjoyed the program. I'm annoyed with myself for not going last year. And uh, I just got to tell you, there's um, without giving anything away, I think there's a lot of amusing and interesting uh, pieces of the story that probably a lot of people don't know. It's well worth going to see. Well, thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad you came out. We certainly had a... We had a full house last night, and the people the people really did enjoy it. And the, the actors were great. It was a solid performance. It was a great night. I'm glad you were able to be there. It was. It was. And I encourage if there's any seats left, I'd encourage anybody who's thinking about going to go. Yeah, the, every every show is sold out. Where we close next Sunday, um, but the, there's only one one show has tickets still available, and that's Thursday night, uh, the 17th. There are some tickets still available for that. If anybody mm-hmm. wants to look into it. Uh, go to theaterexile.org and uh, and order your tickets. There aren't many left, but that's the one show that there are a few. And one one other thing, if I can just get it in real quick. Um, over the last couple of months, sports radio has been kind of dull, but I never miss miss you guys' show. And I w- was listening to you a few weeks back on a Sunday morning, and it suddenly occurred to me that I could I could sit and listen to you guys talk about ping pong for two hours. Oh, you're very kind. So, Thank um, you. That'll be tomorrow. Yes, we'll work that in. <laughs> Thank you very much. We do kind of take the philosophy that we just talk about whatever the hell we feel like. Well, we spent, yeah, you know, we spent a good five minutes talking about Glenn Campbell. There you go. Yeah. Sure, that connected with at least five percent of the audience. You'd be surprised. The fact that you bought Glenn Campbell albums is my biggest take away from the entire show today. We came on to talk about the significant Eagles trade yesterday. They pick up Ronald Darby. What's he about? I got a bunch of people last night. What do you think? What does Ray think of this trade and so on? We've covered that. Definitely. But my takeaway is Ray actually bought Glenn Campbell out. More than one. There you go. More than one. Good he, was, he, he, he could really play. He could really play the guitar and he could really sing. I, uh, again, I'm now not a teenager. I appreciate him. Right. When I was a kid, he was Squaresville. Sure he was. He was establishment. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. I was, you know, 
I was a counterculture 12-year-old, Ray, whatever that means. He wasn't exactly Dullesville off the field. I mean, he had a, no. pretty, he had a pretty tumultuous <laughs> personal life. Three marriages. Four. Four, excuse me. And three not even, failed marriages. Not, not even counting Tanya Tucker. There you, wow, Ray, you, you know you're Glenn Campbell. I'll oh, give you that. I'm well-versed on Glenn Campbell. Let's get Vince. You're on 94 WIP. Hey, how you doing, guys? Hello, Vince. Uh, before I give the Phillies organization a plug, uh, Ray, I was the guy that talked to you at the end of Tommy and May last year and gave you that Pete Rose letter, and, and oh, yeah. things have went downhill. You do remember that, right? Oh, uh, I, I, I do remember that. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, we were all looking forward to going to the game tonight. I had 20, 25 tickets. A bunch of us were going to go down and decided once they did the right thing when the latest Pete Rose mess come out. i got to do a better job of picking my childhood titles. <laughs> Next time around, well, you, you know, what do you know as a kid, right? Yeah, you, know, exactly. you know the bowl haircut. You know the way he hustles. The head oh, first yeah. slide. The head first slide. The catch. You and know, was, off and, the he was, and he was a great player. He was an absolutely great player. I mean, that doesn't change anything. But the other stuff, I mean, I, I don't think the Phillies had much choice. They did the right thing, but I don't think they had much choice. Absolutely. But the plug I want to give is, you know, when I called, I canceled the game. You know, with folks we were going to go to just decided we weren't going to go. And they, uh, they recredited the money, and they said, I would uh, give them kudos for that. There was no hesitation on that. I know that's a difficult decision to make, but I wanted to bring that up on the air and let you guys know that. Uh, thank you, and and I agree. Uh, they did the right thing. I, I heard some people criticize them for not moving quickly enough. It was a big decision. A if they decision. if they took their time to make it, I'm not going to rip them for not filling everybody's timetable. Um, it was, listen, an expensive decision for them to make. Sure. It was the only one they could have made in the end, but if they needed time to do it, they that's okay. Mm-hmm. And and I do think they did the right thing. Steve's on 94 WIP. Hey, uh, Glenn and Ray, I'm, I'm really happy to be talking to you guys. Sure. Um, I enjoy your, you know, your knowledge and everything. And um, I just have a few things to go over. I'll try to get them in real quick. I thought the trade for Darby was, you know, uh, without question – a good trade. I mean, I know they gave up a lot, but let me ask uh, Ray and, and, and Glenn, you might know this too. I believe they had three or four picks in the fourth round next year. Is that correct? I don't know off the top of my head. Let me see if I can find it real fast. I I think so. And I think uh, um, Howie will figure out a way to, um, you know, package that in some way where, where he'll get the third you know, third pick uh, back again. So I'm not really worried about that. Yeah. And I think it was a value pick because Matthews, we knew his upside. We don't know Darby's upside. He has upside as far as I know right now, according to Ray and his evaluation of right. him well, coming no, out of college. Well, here's the thing. I mean, you know his upside based on what he did two years ago. His rookie year, he was very good. I mean, he was a really right. good college player, and his rookie year in Buffalo was a very good year. Now, what you're hoping for is that last year, where his play fell off significantly, you know, that's, that's the aberration. You know, you're, you're sort of counting on the fact that he really is the player you saw at FSU, and he really is the player you saw his first year in Buffalo. And I think at, at his age, it's realistic to think he can kind of get back to playing at that level, which if he does, I mean, he's a good player. Uh, in fact, they do have three fourth-round picks next year. One might actually get better. Let's just start at the top. They have their own first-round pick. Mm-hmm. They do not have their second-round pick. That went to Cleveland for Wentz. I think everybody's okay with that decision. I think so. Uh, the third-round pick goes yesterday in the trade for Darby. 
They have their fourth rounder. They have a Vikings fourth rounder still paying off Sam for Bradford. Sam Bradford. Okay. And they have a fourth rounder from the Patriots for Eric Rowe, which could become a third rounder if Rowe plays at least 50% of the Patriots' defensive snaps this year. Okay. Which I'd say probably not, but not impossible. Right. Could happen. And then they have five, six, seven. So they have three fourth-round picks next year. Mm-hmm. They're not bereft. No. All right, Ray, we have time for one more call. I'm going to let you make the pick here. All right. We could discuss the history of the stiff arm. Mm-hmm. We could discuss uh, the uh, Zeke uh, uh, suspension. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could discuss Philly's Dream Week. Uh-huh. We could discuss Corey Clement, uh, general baseball talk, Alshon Jeffrey, Rams might beat the Cowboys, or Darby trade. What do you got? I think we've covered the Darby trade. Um, why don't you do, you, you, you go. You, you give me an eeny, meeny, miny, mo. here. How about a little Alshon Jeffrey? Okay. Chris, yeah. you're on 94 WIP. How are you guys doing? Hey, Chris. <laughs> I uh, I really I just wanted to make one point, and then the Rams being the Cowboys, I was going to make a friendly wager with uh, with Glenn on that one. But with the with getting rid Wait, of which Matthews, side am I supposed to bet on for that? Well, hold on. Oh, well, okay. Well, I know it's going to put you in a tough position. That's right. Do your Alshon Jeffrey thing, Chris. Go ahead. <laughs> With uh, getting rid of Matthews, I think we're putting a lot of faith in uh, Jeffrey being um, uh, not being, not getting hurt this season. Because besides the quarterback, I think Jeffrey is the second most important person on this team. And if he gets hurt, I mean, you can basically put our put our season in the bucket. Um, well, that's true. I can't argue with that. I mean, you're, you're you are counting on him being healthy and giving you 16 games. It's part of the reason why I think they are being uh, ultra cautious with him in the preseason. I mean, he could have played. On Thursday, and if it had been a regular season game, he would have played. Uh, but they're just being real careful with him uh, because he has had a history of missing games in Chicago. Uh, for where you are right now and the investment you've made in him, yeah, you need to get 16 games out of him. No question about that. And I'm hoping they you know, get him. Maybe they can sign him for three years or something like that if he stays healthy. Yeah. The, the only right. disagreement I would have with you is I think the second most important guy in the offense this year is Lane Johnson. That's a good point. But, uh, so what I'm bet am I supposed to make now? <laughs> All right. I, I'm guaranteeing that the Rams at home beat the Cowboys. And you want me to bet on Dallas? I would, well, everybody that I hear is, is just dismissing the Rams, but I think they match up good against the Cowboys. They have a very good defense. They, listen, the Cowboys do not. They may. I'm not, and they picked up Sammy Watkins. But here's the thing. You honestly believe that I would ever in my life no. bet on the Cowboys to win? That was kind of the thing I was thinking of when I was on hold. I, don't I really understand. Think gonna do with that. But I think the Rams are going to beat them. I hope you're right. I, I, would I, be, I would be delighted with that. Sammy Watkins goes for 180 yards. That would be terrific. <laughs> so I don't know the, if Sammy Watkins The Rams win. are going to walk into Jerry World and knock off the Cowboys, huh? See that happen? game is in Dallas? Game's in Dallas. Probably not, and I think especially not because the Cowboys are going to have a rough patch of it with a lot of other games in that one. So it's going to be they can't afford to lose this. But I certainly would not bet on the Cowboys ever for anything, any purpose, no how, thank you very much. No one would ever expect you to wager on the Cowboys. Sammy Watkins win or lose going from Tyrod Taylor to Jared Goff. (laughs) I actually think Tyrod Taylor is an underrated player. I think he's better than people give him credit for. I wouldn't mind having him on my team. I really wouldn't. I think he's pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Ray, you and I get to continue this merriment tomorrow. Oh, good. I look forward to that. Uh, we will be tomorrow down at Delaware Park Racetrack and uh, Casino. It is the Keith Jones Invitational Golf Tournament. Mm-hmm. Let the merriment 
begin White Clay Creek. Yeah, and so we will be out there um, just having a good time. Yeah. All right. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.